Jazzcast Pros. A tobacco executive was asked, do they smoke tobacco? You know, by, you know, um, one of the actors or someone who's on the set, you know, they're filming commercials. And the tobacco executive said, we don't smoke it. We reserve that right for the young, the black, the poor, and the stupid. One of the things that we're doing on Saturday, June 24th, is having a menthol funeral, whereas the folks who do attend, that's going to be from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're going to be celebrating our liberation from menthol tobacco. We're going to be sending messages to Big Tobacco in terms of taking a stand that, you know what, these are our thoughts. These are our feelings about you targeting our community, about targeting our youth. Thank you for joining Igniting Hope uh, Radio. And I am actually standing in, and I know this is a higher pair of shoes to even stand in, uh, for Pastor George Nicholas. I am Ebony White from the Buffalo Center for Health Equity. And here I serve as the Community Health Engagement Manager. And I work with a host of partners in our community. And I'm just always delighted when I get to be in the company of my friends. Without further ado, I would like to introduce to all of you my very good friend and colleague, Mr. Stan, the man, Martin of Chickatellian Associates, uh, the Buffalo director and lead trainer. Hi, Stan. How are you? I'm doing well, Ebony. How about yourself? How's things going? I'm doing pretty good. Share with our listeners, what is your personal mission? That's a deep question. Uh, thank you, Ebony. And to our listeners and those who are viewing us, you know, don't adjust your set. I'm not uh, Dr. West. <laughs> this is Stan the Man Martin <laughs> coming to you live. Um, but no, I appreciate the question. My personal mission, you know, Ebony, really is to be the best person that I can be. You know, the best son, the best father, you know, the best friend. You, you know, like be the best person that I can be each and every day. And if I can, you know, do that, I feel as though I left this world a, a better place. So that's my personal mission. Listen, that should be all of our mission, right? But if that is not your mission, maybe there are some pieces about Stan's mission you want to adopt. And you know what? Along the way over these past, what, how long have we been working together? Past three years or so? Yeah. Maybe a little longer, mm-hmm. um, but more closely in our partnership around uh with Reach Buffalo, uh, which you'll learn a little bit more, which is a project of Chickatelian Associates. I think I've adopted some. You know, when you have really good friends and you build that camaraderie amongst, amongst, amongst against with each other, you get sometimes you can exchange some really good things. Uh, and it kind of really helps you along the way to adapt and create your very own mission. So let's talk about your organization uh, that you work for, Chickatelian Associates. Well, um, Chickatelli and Associates or CAI, you know, short, our mission really is to utilize the transformative power of education and research to foster, help foster, I should say, a more aware, healthy, compassionate, equitable world. And, you know, that really speaks, I think, to our partnership with the Buffalo Center of Health Equity and also the work that you and I do, you know, alongside each other and with the community. So, you know, that's, you know, that's our organizational mission. And it was actually founded, CAI was actually founded 40 years ago, believe it or not, almost 40 years ago by Barbara Chickatelli. You know, uh, our headquarters is in New York City. We have offices, you know, all across the globe. And also we do a lot of work, you know, internationally, hence the name Global. So we really try and work with um, those marginalized communities, those who have been left behind and uh, in some cases underserved, you know, to really reach back 
and bring others forward with us. You know, um, so everything that we do, you know, we you know take the approach of really engaging the community in an authentic, genuine, transparent manner. That was a mouthful, right? But when you think about the, the richness of the work and how robust it is and how you have to be very well connected um, and you have to really understand the social context. What is the Tobacco Free Coalition? Tobacco Free, I should say, the Tobacco Free Erie Niagara Coalition is funded by the New York State Bureau of Tobacco Control. We provide services in both Erie and Niagara County uh, to help prevent the initiation of tobacco use, to reduce exposure to secondhand smoke, to also, you know, raise awareness about the intentional target marketing, which I hope we get into, you know, of tobacco products, you know, in, in, in particular uh, flavoring or, or menthol tobacco amongst communities that have been, you know, marginalized on the serve. And also really to promote tobacco sensation, you know, provide assistance with those who want to quit tobacco use with the resources and the tools necessary to do so. Um, we recognize that tobacco is an addiction. And it's hard to quit. You know, our approach, we're not against those who use tobacco. We're not against those who smoke or, or chew or vape or utilize hookahs. However, we are, you know, and we do counter market the advertising and marketing techniques techniques of big tobacco, other tobacco industry. You know, so that's our approach. And that's really how we uh, really try to go about doing our day to day work, our business. What has the history been in regards to the tobacco industry? That's a powerful question, because when you think about the history of tobacco and, and the target marketing, I would say, well, I've been involved with tobacco control for over 20 years. That's when I had waves, you know, those who are listening or, or, or our viewers. Yeah, you can get seasick on my waves. I know this. I know the story. But anyway, that's another show. So but after World War Two, you know, many of the soldiers, you know, came home and, you know, they actually provided tobacco products to soldiers when they were in the military just to show you how far back it goes. However, you know, when you look at um, the history of target marketing, in particular with the Black community, in the early 50s, I'm going to say, yeah, the early 1950s, the prevalence of African-Americans who smoke or utilize um, to, um, menthol or tobacco was roughly around 5%. Then fast forward to, you know, the late 60s or what have you, due to the targeted marketing, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, it almost tripled. You know, to like 14%, almost 15%. And then in the 1970s, power, you know, uh, the tobacco industry tar- started co-oping, you know, our culture. And we saw, you know, the um, prevalence of tobacco use among African-Americans triple again to roughly around 42%. Fast forward to where we are today, the late 80s and, and you know, 2000s, you know, the prevalence of tobacco use of those who smoke menthol tobacco is 85%, you know, killing, killing you know, 40, between 40 to 45,000 African-Americans or those who identify with the black diaspora annually. And they, 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 this target marketing that I mentioned, if I could just add a little bit more, they looked at and duped and, you know, bamboozled and hoodwinked, you know, our athletes, you know, our entertainers, you know, our civil organizations, you know, those who are designed or who mission is to protect us you know, and to serve us, you know, they, they co-opted our culture, you know, know, including, you know, hip hop and uh, music and what have you to really kind of like make it socially acceptable, you know, uh, to change social norms. So when I ask people, when I do this work, can you imagine a, you know, a a menthol free or tobacco free community 
Can you imagine a world without tobacco, without tobacco addiction? It's hard to imagine. You know, most people say some people would say it's even impossible. So the tobacco industry has intentionally targeted and marketed a product when used as intended will kill you. You know, menthol is the flavor that attracts and addicts that makes it harder, well, easier to start, I should say, and harder to quit. So, you know, that's the history of tobacco. You know, or the, as one of my um, mentors, I would say Dr. Gardner for the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council. That's an African-Americanization of menthol in the Black community. The optics that we seen and I grew up with was, I didn't know that it was harmful. It was normal. And it was something glamorous about this habit that we didn't know that there would be a very unglamorous demise to right. our community as a whole. It was attached to marketing and some of it. They made smoking look healthy. I don't know if many people remember like cool. They were always in the sun and they were feeling really good. And that is not the true optic of smoking. That's, that's not real. Right. Right. It's not real. Right. Um, and they played with our optics and we didn't know. But here we are in a place where we do know. And you kind of gave a time stamp between like the 1950s till today. So you all have this tag team. And I want you to kind of share with us what the tag team does. And these are the lessons learned and how important us today, what we can do um, in addressing big tobacco and along with the, the drivers. What are some of the social drivers that still creates this normalcy of tobacco use? You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we come alongside, you know, the community, um, nothing for the community without the community, you know, and our tobacco action group members are individuals um, from the community that have either themselves been impact, be impacted by tobacco or have a family member or a loved one, you know, who've been impacted by tobacco use and say, you know, they basically have taken a stand and say, you know, what, I'm not going to I'm not going to go for this anymore. Um, they say that, you know, I have to empower and share this information and knowledge, you know, with others to build their self-efficacy, you know, to raise up the community. Because we know that information alone doesn't change behavior. However, at the same time, Tobacco Action Group members, they not only focus on individual change and help promote access to tobacco you know, cessation services, including proactive counseling, they also seek to change the environment. The, the community, when you look at policies, when you look at systems, you know, those social norms you know, that I talked about um, earlier, you know, they're working um, in, in spaces where they live, where they work, where they play, you know, and sometimes even pray, you know. So we know that the messenger is just as important, you know, as the message. And when you talk about, you know, drivers, you know, let's just let's be real. Let's be honest, you know. Buffalo in our country, but let's focus Buffalo in particular. You know, we've been experiencing, you know, a lot of trauma, you know, of late. All right. And we know that, you know, uh, some people um, utilize tobacco as a coping mechanism to deal with the stressors. You know, that's a fact. So when we talk about changing and changing the environment, you know, not just the individual change, how can we create access to other points of intersect, whether it's food and nutrition? OK, or whether it's, you know, physical activity and also, you know what, believe it or not, improving those relationships with um, health care providers, those, those clinical providers, so that there's no wrong door, no missed opportunity 
where so we are identifying those who utilize tobacco. We're in, we're addressing the correlated risk factors or diseases such as diabetes, COPD, and other chronic illnesses and and diseases because tobacco affect every part of, of your body. You know, and there are so many correlated diseases that you cannot just isolate one in particular and work in a in a silo. You can't do that. You have to look at different points to intersect and cross pollinate the information as no as much as possible. And at the same time, you know, once again, not just the, the, the in terms of the drivers, not just stress, you bum, you are bombarded, you are continuously bombarded with messages from the tobacco industry that has normalized the use of tobacco products intentionally, making it cheaper, making it accessible, easily accessible. Think about Lucy cigarettes. Think about flavored cigarettes or flavored tobacco. They're working on products right now that's going to be a game changer in terms of look at vaping or electronic cigarettes. To give an example, the electronic cigarettes came out to undermine all of the advances that we made in tobacco. Remember, people used to be able to smoke in bars. You used to be able to smoke in a restaurant. Now you walk into a bar, you walk into a restaurant, or even you see someone on the airplane, they're about to light up a smoke. You look at them like they're crazy or, you know, right, like, right. What's, like what planet you have you we been don't on? Do that. <laughs> you we don't know? do that. Right, right. You know, that's how we're changing the game. That's how we're changing attitudes and perceptions, whereas though it's the community that's demanding the change. It's the community that are leading the charge against, you know, the effort of the tobacco industry. We say we might not be able to match their dollars, but they can't match our resolve. I've been in this fight for over 20 years and I've seen a lot of advances. And I think right now we're at a tipping point, a tipping forward that if we can if we can remove menthol from the shelves or menthol tobacco from the city and from the county and from the county, city of Buffalo and Erie County, then we join, you know, the efforts of other places like California and Massachusetts and you know Canada where this has been done before and that lives have been saved. And we are saving the next generation, we're preventing the next generation of replacement smokers, which which is our children. Right. Right. I appreciate that your approach and all of the work, your tag team and many others in this space is that it's just not looking at the diagnosis, but the symptoms, right? The drivers, like what's driving this and being compassionate about it. Many times, you know, and everything else, you kind of hit with you did it, you were wrong and we told you not to do it. And here are the outcomes and deal with it. So there's this uh, this empathy that is an exchange. And I've had the opportunity to work with many of your members of the tag team. So if someone is a smoker, no, I'm not mad at you. You don't have to run off. We can still talk. I'm normalizing. I understand those kids are causing you all kind of havoc. That job is wearing you out. Um, and this was the coping strategy that in some ways many of us inherited, right? You inherited these behaviors. You inherited this is your coping mechanism. But you're also giving them something in exchange. I think last year when it was like smoke-free Sunday, um, the exchange was giving spearmint gum. Someone thought like gum, but I'm giving you something in exchange for the try. Um, and often when I hear them talk about just see if you can go a smoke-free hour, a smoke-free few days um, and then build up in supporting them. And even if they slip back, you celebrate their desire to change and participate and really support them in that change. So that's phenomenal. And that's the key thing with doing anything when you're trying to um, not correct, but support, um, not scold, but really help and be there for that days where like, I'm really trying not to 
but let's talk and just having an ear or the New York State quit line and being able to talk to someone and all of the other services that are available. But you, you talked about the tag team's relationship. Is there a personal connection for you? You know, Ebony, I met my passion and my purpose. And this is a part of my passion and this is a part of my purpose. 20 years ago, and I said this, you know, 20 years ago, I was like others. I said, you know, what, what's the big deal with tobacco? What's the, what's the big deal with smoking? Like, you, you know what I mean? I, I don't get it. And then as I pursued and done research and I was actually, you know, um, pursuing a position of employment that someone thought I would be, you know, um, a good candidate for. And I, I was going through the interview process. I said, well, let me find out more about this. Let me just read up on it. You, you know how we do. You know, we're about to join a new company. Fast forward. I've done some research and. I came across this document, which is available to the um, community. Uh, it's a master settlement agreement. And it has all you know, with the 46 or 48 tobacco um, of well, attorney general sued the tobacco industry. OK, and one. And as a result of the settlement, you know, all of their documents became available. But I read I came across this one quote. And I kid you not, I might paraphrase a little bit. However, a tobacco executive was asked, do they smoke tobacco? You know, by, you know, um, one of the actors or someone who's on the set, you know, they're filming commercials. And the tobacco executive said, we don't smoke it. We reserve that right for the young, the black, the poor and the stupid. And when I read that quote, I was floored. I was and I thought about the people, you know, my family members, my friends, you know, my loved ones, you know, um, even those I didn't know that didn't even have this information. I felt as though. I found my call to action. I found my passion. I found my purpose. And it was very important for me to move forward in a, in a very intentional way. I, I think about those who aren't even aware of how someone looked at us or looks at us and pray upon us intentionally. And since then, you know, I've, I've been involved in, in a number of initiatives. However, this is to my core. You sit back, they, they, the older folks would say they're gone, you know, for someone to think that of I me. Mean, they invested in the depreciation of an entire community, the quality of our lives, the longevity of our lives is mind boggling. And you wonder, like, do they know? And your work just really is stemmed around, I need you to know. I need you to know. This was their forethought about this entire industry. They, they didn't they didn't create this. They didn't want this because they knew you were stressed. They wanted to give you a way to, you know, relax your mind. They did it with the intention to destroy you. And to destroy you. And part of the the original sin enslavement was though we used to have to pick it, you know, tobacco, those who were enslaved. But now. All right. They want us to smoke it, <laughs> you know, to keep us enslaved and addicted. Whereas so they're profiting, you know what I'm saying? They put in profit over public health, over our health intentionally. So, you know, I'm trying to break those chains, <laughs> you know. I'm you are. Greetings, everyone. My name is Rob. Yes, I am the host of Father Torch. I would like to take this time to invite you in my discussions on very, very important topics of being a black and brown father 
in today's society. Being a parent, the other parent, we face trials and tribulations too. We have worries, we have feelings. Here at Father Torch, we promote the advocacy of being the dad you wish you had. Join me at fathertorch.com. So I want to give you the opportunity to talk about the menthol funeral. Where did you say, this is the concept right here. Um, And everyone, if you have the opportunity to be there, he'll give you the details. You'll also find them on the website uh, to be there and learn um, and participate in this. Stan, take it away. Yes, definitely. We, uh, my team and I, the um, no, tobacco-free Erie Niagara team, we went to the National Tobacco Conference about a year or so ago. And, you know, we was down in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. Nah, just kidding. But but we, we were down on New Orleans and Bourbon Street. But this is where we first learned, though, um, where so, um, the city of Detroit um, had held a menthol funeral. You know, and I think New Orleans did one as well. And the concept surrounding a men- the menthol funeral is to raise awareness about um, how menthol has been intentionally marketed and targeted to you know African Americans and those identified with the Black diaspora. However, it's a celebration, it's a liberation. It goes back to what I just said about breaking the chains, you know, of addiction. So, what one of the things that we're doing on Saturday, June twenty fourth, is having a menthol funeral, where the uh, folks who do attend that's going to be from ten a.m. to twelve p.m. We're going to be celebrating our liberation from menthol tobacco. We're going to be sending messages to big tobacco in terms of taking a stand that, you know what, these are our thoughts. These are our feelings about how, you know, um, we uh, want to express ourselves about you targeting our community, about targeting our youth. Youth are going to be um, in attendance as well, sending messages to the um, um, big tobacco. Um, in addition to that, we're going to have an opportunity for those who want to send words of um, expression to those family members that they have lost as a result of tobacco use. And believe it or not, we have we have support where so we're going to have a casket where those messages and cigarette butts and other tobacco paraphernalia can be tossed in to the casket as a symbol of breaking the chain, as a symbol of ending, you know, the menthol. Um, pandemic, you know, that has been intentionally placed upon our community. Following the wake, you know, we're going to have a eulogy. You know, we're going to have a eulogy in in terms of um, the celebration, in terms of upliftment of that of of that liberation. In addition, Pastor Nicholas, you know, he's going to eulogize, you know, the ceremony. So there's going to be music. You know, it's going to be really a celebratory moment where so and including spoken word, you know, of aspirations that we're not allowing ourselves to be viewed as victims. We're not placing shame and blame, you know, on ourselves or pointing fingers at one another. You know, we are, however, taking a stand against the tobacco industry and taking back, you know, our lives. Either it's for, either it's for an hour or for a minute, for a day, for a week, and also celebrating those who have decided to take the menthol challenge, you know, to quit or to make a quit attempt. We're going to be honoring them and recognizing them at the menthol funeral and encouraging them and supporting them during and afterwards. So there will be information for um, nicotine replacement therapy, plain and simple for gum, for lodgings or, or for patches and proactive counseling. You know, as well, we're going to be promoting a New York State Smokers Quit Line, which is one 697 
8487 quits 1866 697 um six nine seven eight four eight seven um that is the number to call one eight six six and white quits so come on out once again it's a celebration it's a liberation you know of us in terms of taking back our freedom and breaking the chains of tobacco addiction um in particular so if you live locally uh, in the city of buffalo wherever you are wherever you're listening i want this to be annual i want our districts our black clubs to contact you. And we, if we need to do this over and over again, whether it's quarterly, let's do this and understand that as much as we love one another, this is done in love, right? To not just preserve ourselves, but we have a saying, we do it for ourselves, we're doing it for our family, we're doing it for our community. The same thing applies. And, you know, in our family that we may not never see, we want to give them some better air to breathe. We want to give them the longevity. We want them to have the long lives um, and live out glorious lives. And, and that's important. So if you're interested, everybody knows standing in there. You can find his information on uh, Chickatelli and Associates page of www.cai.global.com. And you can find him and many of the other REACH initiatives. So before we close out, it's always a pleasure, Stan. Yes, yes. You know, meeting the newbie jumping in uh, with Pastor George in his absence. Uh, but we never fail at Buffalo Center for Health Equity and Igniting Hope overall to give our community members what they need, what they need to know, uh, because we're invested in this work and we're invested in our community. Any final thoughts before we close out? Yeah, well, you know, I just want to read. First, I want to um, thank you and the Buffalo Center Health Equity you know, for this opportunity, um, for your partnership and, you know, for all that you do you know, within the community um, in terms of raising not just awareness, but really being you know, a part of the change you know, in terms of promoting uh, health and wealth. Um, and just once again, you know, I would just encourage folks. I don't think I mentioned the uh, menthol funeral is going to take place at the Millennium Hotel on uh, June, Saturday, June 24th from 10 to 12. You know, come on out. You know, we would love to see you, love for you to be a part of the celebration of the liberation and bring a friend. Once again, you know, we're not against those who utilize tobacco. We've encouraged those who even opposed us to come out and attend because, as you said, this is this is out of love, you know. And when you look at the reach, the, the reach hand it's, it's an open hand, not a closed fist. So that said, you know, I thank you all. Thank you for the opportunity. And I look forward to uh, when we have this conversation um, again. Thank you, Stan. And again, thank you to Igniting Hope listeners. Until next time, do it in love.